What's good, podcast world? Welcome back to Balls Deep. This is episode eight. I am your co-host, Zach Wonderlick, as always, joined by co-host Chance Rich. How you doing, brother? Oh, man, I'm doing well. It's a beautiful day. I'm literally expecting a baby at any time, so if I got to shag ass and run, you guys know exactly why. Now, uh, hey, you, you tell Fred that you got a podcast to do right now, Grayson. Hold on. Hold on for an hour. <laughs> got it, man. Uh, podcast listeners out there, um, we have been a three-man crew of me, Chance, and Caleb. Uh, Caleb is a very busy man. And he golfs too much, to be honest. Uh, we will have Caleb on as a guest throughout our podcast in days. We love Caleb. We're going to miss Caleb. But our special guest last week has now joined the Balls Deep crew. He will be our third co-host going forward. That is Mr. David Burgess. David, how are you, brother? What's happening? Yeah, I'm happy to be here, man. I had a lot of fun last week, and I look forward to uh, doing this every week, man. It's a good time. Hell, yeah. I, I'm, I'm just excited to uh, – Caleb was a big Cowboys fan, too, but when I tell Caleb the Cowboys suck, he's just like, yeah, I know. But you know, I tell you they suck, I can't. I'm looking forward to telling you they suck for a long time. As we know, they're going to win the Super Bowl. Yeah. So, uh, let's hop into the first topic. It was our first topic last week. We had, uh, we had the Natty game uh, coming up for the national championship is biased. And Lord have mercy, were we all wrong on our picks wow. because Baylor beat Gonzaga's ass. Did anybody expect it? What were y'all thoughts on it? I mean, Baylor beat Gonzaga's ass from start to finish. Um, I was personally surprised. I thought Baylor's defense – I mean, everybody knows they're good, but I thought they were a lot better even than what you would think. And they came out and Timmy looked real small down there with them big Baylor centers. <laughs> yeah, I did. mean, that dude, mustache or not, he got babied all game. Yeah, it was pretty bad. I, I, I really liked the fact that he got d- – Dunked on too. I thought that was hilarious. But I mean, but I, I'm with you guys. Obviously, we all put in our picks last week, but I had no idea that Baylor was going to lead by double digits, you know, three quarters of the game. Yeah. And right. then still come out winning, you know, by 13 points. That was just an unreal game by Baylor. They went off. And it was like, as I'm watching, you know, Baylor gets off to that huge run to start. And I was like, okay, well, you know, Natty, Natty pregame jitters, you know, like Gonzaga will get back in it. Um, they'll make it a game, and it, they never really did. Like, Gonzaga kept adding and adding and adding, and then – or Baylor, I'm sorry. Baylor kept adding and adding, and then and then it was somewhere, like, early second half maybe. I think Gonzaga cut it to nine or eight, and at that time I was like, okay, here we go. Gonzaga's going to cut it down. We'll have a good national championship game. And then it seemed like every time they got it to single digits, Baylor would push it back up to 15, 16, 17. And, I mean, it was, it was never close, right. and I, I didn't expect it. Yeah, so the big thing there was Gonzaga actually shot 51% from the field compared to Baylor's 45%. But the kicker there, Baylor finished with 67 field goal attempts yeah. to Baylor's or to, to Gonzaga's 49. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. you think I mean, you might want to shoot the ball a couple more times. <laughs> yeah, anytime a team outshoots you by 20 fucking shots, like you don't, I mean, even if, hell, I don't know, seven of those go in, you know, like, that's seven, oppor- that's seven opportunities that, that you missed out on and Baylor got. Right. Yeah, essentially, essentially, if you're going off the twos, that's 14 points. Middle, Maybe right. in one here and there, and you're, you're only down two, you know, and you lost by 16. Yeah, yeah, for sure. It, feel, it feels like watching the game, like, start to finish, you kept waiting on Baylor to fizzle out, and they just never did. Like, defensively, well, actually, offensively with the rebounds was ridiculous. I mean, the rebound differential, I don't have it pulled up, but it was pretty, it was pretty uh, drastic. And you just kept waiting on them like, okay, surely Gonzaga's going to get back in it. They're going to heat up in shooting, which, like you said, they didn't shoot bad, but they were getting absolutely smothered on the glass, and Baylor just never turned it off. They kept the gas, like, all game. Yeah, and Baylor, on top of that, you know, Baylor finished with 16 offensive boards. So yeah, that's, that's, that's what, just – That that's was the big thing that – David David touched on it when we first started talking about it just now, but it was very apparent that Gonzaga was not ready for the size and strength that Baylor had out there. No, not those are grown, Those were grown-ass men on the court. That sure. – uh, I that the, the Tom, the Thomba, Thomba, the Thomba dude, yeah. whatever his name, that dude was a – he was a fucking man amongst boys in that game. 
and Vital was crashing the offensive boards. Yeah, like, like, he had like six offensive boards or something like that. That was insane. Yeah, he was crashing hard. I mean, they had they had the perfect game plan. They were like – they completely took Timmy out of the game and was like – they to me, they weren't – I mean, it didn't help Gonzaga that, that Suggs picked up two early fouls and had to sit a lot of the first half. I mean, you got Suggs on the bench, you know, you're, you're liable to get into a little bit of a deficit. But they, they completely shut down Timmy and was like, somebody else beat us. Yeah. And yeah, that's a good did. thing. Suggs on the bench, that means that Baylor needs to turn it on even better. Yeah, exactly. And so here's one that, that really pissed me off after the game of watching ESPN and Sports Center, you know, the day after, two days after. Everybody, you know, is obviously talking about the national championship game. And the big debate was, was oh, they were like, oh, it, it was, was Gonzaga overrated? Absolutely Wait, not. Wh- why do we have to take away from what Baylor did? Gonzaga was fucking 31-0, and the number one overall seed. They beat teams like West Virginia, Kansas, OU. Like, they beat good teams along the way. But you want to say, oh, was, well, was Gonzaga just overrated? Why can't we just say, no, Baylor was that damn good and just beat yeah. the shit out of them? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, like I said last week, it's really difficult to say, in my opinion, like a one seed is overrated. You know what I mean? Like, they were a one seed and hadn't lost the game up to that point for a reason. And they got out there and got their fucking teeth kicked in by Baylor, and you can't take anything away from Baylor. They went it, was out Baylor's there. Game, it was Baylor's game to win, you know what I mean? Yeah. They came out and shoved it up their ass. But, you know, to say Gonzaga's overrated is, is, is far from the truth. They came – they throughout their season, they played seven ranked teams, including, you know, West Virginia, Kansas. Yeah. Like, like Rev was saying, oh, and Virginia, too, you know. Yeah. Who, what, the they won in like 18? Nation last year. So, yeah, to say, to say it was an overrated there is a far cry, man. And, dude, what, what's wild is on, on the schedule this year, Gonzaga and Baylor were supposed to play a regular season game, and it got canceled because of COVID. But, yeah. I mean, we ended up getting it anyways, and Baylor beat their fucking ass. Yeah, bad. Yeah. But that's, that was nice, man. It, just, it irritates the hell out of me that it's like – you don't, you don't have to search for things to talk about. You know what I mean? Like, you don't have to throw out the, accusi- the accusations that Gonzaga was overrated. No, Baylor was that fucking good. They, they act like Baylor had two losses this year. When, when COVID hit Baylor and they got shut down for a month, Baylor was like 23-0 and 0 at the time. And they lost to Big 12 teams, which is the best conference in basketball this right. year. They lost to West Virginia, a damn good team. They lost to Oklahoma State, a damn good team. And it was after after a month layoff due to COVID. No, Baylor was just that damn good. Like, you don't have to make any excuses. No. You don't have to say Gonzaga was overrated. Baylor was that damn good. It's that age-old question. Did, did they beat you or did you lose? Like, what do you mean? <laughs> they, they beat you. That's a stupid-ass yeah, question. Ask Russell Westbrook that question. <laughs> <laughs> what? So, uh, let's get into – let's get to our next topic. I want to talk about – um, we'll start with – I want to talk about two starters in the MLB. First, we got we got our boy John. Talked about him last week. Made his 2021 debut. Shoved it at the Dodgers' ass through very well. Had his second start. Uh, what was it? Wednesday or Thursday, I called you, Chance. The old Gray Wolf took him a no-hitter into the seventh. Yep. So, you know, I said it last week that I wouldn't sugarcoat anything. and I, And I said that, you know, last year John did not have a good year. If you ask John Gray, did he have a good year last year? He'll tell you absolutely fucking not. But John dealt with a lot of injuries last year. Uh, and I know he's dealing with some shoulder stuff. But it looks like we have a healthy John to start the year. And the guy's shoving right now. Yeah, six and two-thirds of an inning, two hits, one run. ERA at 1.54. The guy is doing it. I just – I hope he just keep cruising right now, man, because that's, he's looking good. He's looking weekend, like John. All we can hope for is, you know, just health. Like, just give give him a healthy season, and John will do his thing. Yeah, and that's my thing, being new to baseball, seeing him come out last week, like you talked about with the athletic trainer, for that to not be serious and him come out the following game and, and perform well, that bodes well for this future and the rest of the season. Right. No yeah, doubt about sure. it. Uh, second starter I want to get to is, I think this was Monday, Monday or Tuesday, Shohei Otani makes his uh, – makes his debut. He threw a pitch that was the fastest pitch in the MLB this year. 
at 100.6 miles an hour. And then he also hit like a 452-foot bomb on the first pitch he swing he <laughs> saw of, of 2021. So yeah. let's let's get into just I mean the versatility of somebody that I mean you don't see you don't see guys pitching and hitting in the MLB like and you obviously in the NL we have pitchers hitting because they ain't got the DH but the pitchers hitting the NL can't hit like this dude's in the AL you can DH for him but they don't because of how good of a hitter he is. Yeah, you you're taking a bat away if you take him out of the lineup. I mean, yeah. the, the guy can do it all. He's he's a machine, and the fact that the fact that he can actually throw consistently in the upper nineties and hit a hundred, you know, while on the other side, you know, hitting playing offense, he can he can hit dingers five hundred foot long. The guy's a stud. He, they they picked him up on a whim, not really knowing when he came to the MLB. And I think they cashed out, man. They 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 got themselves a a, a leaguer, man. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Hey, so let me ask you this. Um, like I said, just freshly getting more into baseball. Um, the only thing I can think of in like recent memories when the Iowa State quarterback also played middle linebacker a couple years ago. Yeah, like, yeah. and BOU too. Yeah. So so how big a deal? And then compare it to that situation. Is it for a cat to pitch at an elite level and also hit like that? Like. Can you compare those two for me? Like, how big of a deal is that, really? I mean, personally, for me, I think it's harder because the pitchers don't get the reps that the that the hitters do, that the you know the fielders do. Mm-hmm. I I that's that's just me personally, though. And I mean, my my thoughts on it is like, it's just like, so Otani's doing it, and you know, if you put Aaron Judge on a mound, he can he's probably going to throw a baseball ninety miles an hour. He's huge. But, you know, there's a lot of dudes in the MLB that have, that have arms that are just unbelievably strong that you put them on a mound, they're going to throw 95, 96, 97 miles an hour. But just because you can throw it 95 miles an hour doesn't mean you can pitch. I mean, you can throw a strike either. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Right. Like, you, can't, you can't go out. And, and the thing about Otani as well is, like, Ota- they, they ain't bringing in Otani in, in the sixth inning for, you know, a mop-up duty or whatever. Otani is starting. Like, they're expecting six, seven, eight innings out of him as a starter. You know what I mean? And also, they want production out of his bat as well. So He's in the lineup for a reason, and he's starting pitching for yes. a reason. And that's – to me, it's just it's just unbelievable that, that the guy's out here, he's throwing 100 mile an hour fastballs, and he'll also hit a 450-foot nuke too. Yeah. Like, it's just – Yeah. I mean, he'll start a pitcher – and then the next, the next, you know, three games, he'll he'll be the designated hitter. Yeah, <laughs> they 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 DH him. I mean, last year, just last year, the guy finished twenty two home runs, sixty one RBIs, and six three hundred sixty seven plate appearances as the DH, hitting two fifty three, which is not as, bad as whatsoever. You no, know, as a starting pitcher too. <laughs> right. Yeah. It, but my only thing with Otani is, I understand he and again. I, I feel like everybody we talk about on this podcast, he had TJ as well. And but that's my thing with him. Like he is injury prone as fuck. Like the the Angels have to be so careful with him. Like he missed I, I just heard that I or read it somewhere yesterday or two days ago that he was missing his next start because he had a blister on his finger. Oh wow. As in like I understand you gotta be super careful with him because he's so injury prone. But at some point, it's got to be like, dude, like, can you give us a season? Can you give us three quarters of a season? <laughs> like, Stability is availability. Like, I know we're asking a lot from you, but how good are you to us if we only have you for 50 games? Yeah, but at the same time, he had a blister on his finger, and, they, and they're sitting him. Why is that? Is it his – do you think that's his decision or the I think, I would hope not. I think it's probably the Angels of knowing yeah. how – of knowing how injury-prone he is that it's just like, okay, well – miss this next start so we can have you for your next 20. You know what I'm saying? You know how it is throwing, throwing fastballs, man. I've, I've seen you with tore up fingers. I, I've been, I've had tore up fingers, man. I will say this. I've never missed a game over tore up fingers though. You know, I lived back, back when you and I were pitching in high school and, and in college, right. I lived with a blood blister on my middle finger. It never it all, it. It was all day, every day. Yeah. It's just there. Like, and you can't pop it because if you do, it's going to come back and it's going to be worse. Yeah. So you just got to live with it. And I understand that, you know, we weren't getting paid millions of dollars to do it, but 
Probably should have been. Though. At the same time, like I know if I would have if I would have told my uh, my pitching coach at college, hey man, like I don't I don't think I can throw today because I got this blood blister on my finger. He'd be like, okay, well, why don't you have you about a six month rest and try again next year? Yeah, yeah. No shit. We'll see. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like that's, just, that's something to be said too, though. That when you ask the question about to people like, do you like college sports or professional sports? And most people tell you college because them cats are hungry, and there ain't no way a college player in any sport is like, I'm gonna sit out because my finger hurts. But this cat's that's getting paid. Like I can't see less looks he's gonna get. That's less looks he's gonna get. You know, he's he's not P, PT gone in college is is less of a chance you're gonna make it to the show, man. Right, so. exactly. And these and cats so, they get they miss for to me blister on your finger kind of seems like bullshit, but. You know, maybe he had something else going on, and the A's didn't want to say, okay, you know, he's got some kind of shoulder problem or something. We'll say it's a blister. Like, you never know exactly, but hopefully it wasn't his decision. Yeah, I agree with you there. But So, so just, just to touch on this is one of the reasons, like, I wanted to bring up Otani. Like, in 2018, when this dude was a rookie, he caught, like, all the flack. They were like, oh, this guy's a two-way player. You know, they, they really took a gamble on, on getting this dude. And they were like, he's, he's going to be a fluke. You know, this guy, he's not going right. to be worth it. But I think I think people are starting to buy in. You know, him and Trout together look pretty damn good to me, man. I think it's going to be a it's going to be a hell of a team up in the future, dude. Dude, and I'll say this on, on that topic. I don't give a shit about the Angels, okay? Not but, me either. But, God damn it get better because I want to see playoff Trout. Wait, we are getting robbed of that. Trout is going to go down as probably the best player to ever play this game, and we don't get to see him in the postseason. And, I mean, he's loyal as fuck. He keeps – I mean, he signed that mega deal like 12 years with the Angels. Like, he's, oh, there wow. to, he's there to stay. Please put some guys around him because I want to see playoff Trout. Heck yeah, man! I couldn't have said it better myself, dude. I I, I would love to see playoff trout. Just see just see the dude go off in October, man. Yeah, and like just just as baseball fans, like we are all being robbed of that. Yeah, it's, especially in today's world. Like uh, we talked about it, you know, people want to say like, oh, it's rings, rings, rings. Well, <laughs> fuck a ring for trout. We don't even get to see him in the in the wild card game. <laughs> right, you know what I'm saying? Right. Like, we don't get the same period. Like he plays 162 games, and we don't get the same game until next year. Yep. Yep. Couldn't have said it better myself, man. I agree with you fully on that one, brother. Yeah, and to to touch back one more time before we before we go on to the next one um, on the the injury prone of of Otani. Like again, like I get how how cautious you have to be with him because he is valuable, and you got a lot of money invested into him, but. but like with what we were saying, you know, like with college guys, you know, they got to be seen. Yeah. Like if you if you set out, like Otani's there, like he, he ain't going nowhere, you know. So he can he can miss his next twelve starts. Well, guess what? He's gonna be on the he's gonna be on the Angels roster next year. But there there's got to come a point to where it's like, hey man, we're paying you all this damn money. Like we need you to be productive for us. Honor your commitment. I mean, I know I won't I won't call out any names on here, but. Um, for all the people listening, you probably know who I'm talking about, so I won't call any names. But when I had TJ, I was going through my rehab, and I was told I was told by a coach that I had at the time, I was at 10 months into my rehab. For anybody familiar with Tommy John, it's 12 at a minimum at a minimum 12 months to anywhere to 14, 15, 16 months. I was told at 10 months, uh, hey, I'm watching you throw bullpens. You need to come back, or you can find a place to play next year. At that point, you know what I'm saying? Like, at that point, like, that's what we're saying on the college kids, you know what I'm saying? It's like, well, I mean, nah, I, fuck it. I guess I'm going to come back. I mean, and you're, you're there to play, you know what I'm <laughs> saying? So, you know what I mean? Like, so, I mean, obviously with those pro guys, they're not going to do anything like that because like, they're going to have the best medical team around them, you know, whatever it may be. But just at some point, you know, the Angels going to be like, hey, man, like, you got to you gotta fix it. <laughs> yeah. We, we got to have you for at least three quarters of a season. I show up, bud. We didn't pay you all. Give my money back and leave, yeah. right? Wake up, pop five uh, ibuprofen, and say it's time to shove, man. I got to get out there. Hey, wow. you you know just as well as I do. In college, you wake up, you take them IB plans. Yep, I bet you. <laughs> you damn right. So, uh, sticking on the baseball one, um, we'll give a shout-out to Katie Eldridge. Uh, commented on on Chance's post and wanted to know about 
our thoughts on on the new shift rules in baseball. And not only she want to know about the shift rules, so we'll start with that one. But I want to talk about the other rules that are being implemented into um, the minors to be tested to go into the big leagues because I have some strong opinions on this one. So uh, I think everybody really does. If you're if you're a baseball fan, you better have a pit, strong opinions about this because they're taking away from the fucking game. Right. So you said it best right there. So I'll let you start this one. All right. Let's start with shift. Let's start with the shift rule. So here's the rule. Uh, they're 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 testing this out in Double A, defensive positioning. The defensive team must have a minimum of four players on the infield, each of whom must have both feet completely in front of the outer boundary of the infield dirt. Depending on the preliminary results of this experimental rule change, MLB may require two infielders to be positioned entirely on each side of second base in the second half of the Double A season. These restrictions on defensive Positioning are intended to increase in batting average on balls in play. So, so basically, they're taking away the damn playing field from the teams that are playing uh, on defense. Right. Tell me I'm wrong. Yeah. And so, let me let me hop on that since you just read it. I guess I guess if you want to change the shift rules, that one don't bother me too much. But at the same time, like I might let them shift all they want. In the box, you have a professional fucking hitter. Pro. If they are shifted to the right side of the field, make a play. Well, hit the ball the other <laughs> way. He's a professional hitter. They will There's quit shifting on you if you hit the ball the other way. Don't There's tell me gap. you can't hit the ball the other way because you're a damn professional hitter. Yeah. Right. And here's here's my take on it. Zach was catching me up to speed on this. Um, so the best thing I can see it as is like you're playing football, right? And you're playing like the Titans. You're going to stack the box against a cat like Derrick Henry, right? So then they do what? They run play action, stuff like that. So you're telling me that the defense, like it's their responsibility to be in bad position so the offense has a better chance? Yeah. That's fucking stupid. That's like saying, hey, even though you're playing Derrick Henry, you cannot put ten guys in the box. No more (laughs) than than seven guys in the box. You can't even even load it with eight. You can't have no more than seven guys in the box. Like it's it's their job as an offense – to scheme around that. So if this guy's – the batter knows his tendencies. If he sees them shift, make a fucking play and hit it somewhere else. I'm not saying it like it's just super easy, you know, for a cat like me. But like you said, as a professional – this guy gets paid so much fucking money to hit the ball. Hit it somewhere else. That to me, it's ridiculous to tell a defense they can't put themselves in the best position possible. That's stupid. I absolutely love the fact that you put it in football terms because that's that's yeah. awesome. That worked that's, out that's perfectly. A, that's too. a great comparison too. And you're and you're not wrong whatsoever. That was freaking perfect. I mean, you're taking away the playing field from the for these, you know, uh the guys on defense because just because they know that this guy's just heavy pull. <laughs> yeah. Get it to the same side every time. Like, why not be smart about it and shift over there? Yeah. Exactly. You got a guy that's millions of dollars to play this game that he loves so much. The motherfucker ought to learn how to hit oppo. Yeah. yeah, no shit. Well, when when Cano was with the Yankees, they used to shift the shit out of Cano. There was a couple times Cano laid down a bunt. He he had a bunt double. <laughs> he had a bunt double one game. They the third baseman's playing playing shortstop. The shortstop's over playing second, second baseman's in the outfield. They're all shifted to the fucking right side. He weighed down a hard bunt that rolled past third base all the way down to the wall, slid into second with a bunt double. So you're telling me a player made a play? Yeah, wait. He, he went up to the plate. He's like, oh, shift, I'll bunt. It's a, it's a free base hit. Yeah. But let me, let me throw this one out there. The reason why I think this rule is coming into play, this one specific is because it irritates the hell out of me, but I think the MLB – I don't think the MLB want to see – I don't think they want to see one nothing games. I don't. I don't think they want to see pitcher duels. I think they'd much rather have guys go out there and hit fucking nine home runs a game, and it be eleven to nine. You know what I mean? And there's thirteen hits aside. It's more exciting. I don't think. I don't think the MLB wants to see those pitcher duels. Which for me, like you get, if I get into a pitcher's duel, oh, give me more of it. You know what I mean? Like I want. I like to see guys go out there and shove. You get somebody like Trevor Bauer, you know, going up against, you know you know, somebody else that, that's out there shoving as well. Like, you just see that pitching matchup, I'm watching it. Because I'm like, well, shit, like, these dudes are going to get after it today. I agree. Yeah, but, you know, 
coming from just a baseball fan in general, you know, just like you, I mean, not taking anything away from you, obviously, but I like to see it from both sides. I want to see motherfuckers hit dingers, but I also want to see pitchers shove it up their ass. No, so, I mean, absolutely. If if it's going one way or the other, shit, I'm I'm all I'm all yeah, eyes. No, don't don't get me wrong, like don't get me wrong. I love I love home runs. You know what I mean? I love watching Judge and Stanton go back to back. You know what I mean? Like I I love home runs as well, and I love high scoring games as well. I just love everything about baseball, but like I just feel like they're moving towards a way to get it to where it's all just one way. To where we're gonna see thirteen hits a game. We're gonna see seven, eight, nine, ten runs a game. You know what I mean? Like and it's it's just like last night the Padres do threw a no hitter, dude. Like, tell me you don't love that? You know what I mean? Like, dude out there just shoving it up somebody's ass. I got totally teary eyed this morning while I was taking my morning poop, about to go to the gym, <laughs> watching that on on Instagram, watching the celebration. I teared up a little bit. I felt yeah. that for me, man. I, I feel it for all the guys that throw no nos. But Jesus, man, that, that's just a beautiful thing right there, dude. Yeah, and and while we're on the topics of no nos, and let me uh. Let me pull out the yearbook real fast and take us way back. Chance and I were in junior high baseball, and we no-hit a tournament. <laughs> yeah. Nobody hit the ball against us the whole tournament. Four games. I had two starts. Chance had two starts. Two no-hitters apiece. No-hit the tournament. That's ridiculous. That was, one of the, that was one of the funniest moments of my life. But, I mean, we were just we – were, we were above everybody when we were that age, man. Yeah, for sure. Um, and then the, the last – or we got two two more rules, I think. I just want to talk on the on the pickoff one. Let's go on that one, and then I want to, and then I'll finish up on the on the last rule that is actually being implemented in MLB right now. But the pickoff rule of saying they can only pick off two times to a base, and then if you you can pick off a third time, but if you don't pick him off, it's a balk, and they get the next base. Yeah, you Dude, have to get him out. Like what? Like what are you doing? Like so. If I'm a base runner, if I'm somebody like Mike Trout that can steal a fuck ton of bases like he does, but he's also a smart base runner that he's gonna he knows where to get a lead where he can get back if he wants. If I'm Mike Trout and a dude picks off twice, well, now I'm gonna extend my lead by a half a step to a step. I know this guy well enough to where if he does pick a third time, I can get back. And if I get back, I get second anyways. But I'm gonna extend the lead, and as soon as he moves, I'm swiping second. Exactly. Wait, how that's that's stupid. That, that that rule to me makes makes less sense than uh the shift rule. Cuz you're you're taking away like the 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 uh the surprise method, you know what I mean? Like they're going to not they're going to know that they can steal on this play. Right when that right when the pitcher moves, they're going to take off. It's a free base. And if they and if the pitcher picks off, doesn't get the guy out. It's a buck. He gets that base anyways. I, I don't understand where they came up with that rule at all. I mean, I know the, the crowd hates whenever pitchers try to pick off multiple times in a row. But at the same time, it's, it's the game. You know, it's, it's baseball. You start fucking with the rules of baseball that we've, we've used for the last 100 years, man, people are going to start being like, okay, you guys are acting like fucking idiots. Yeah. yeah, and it sounds like another rule, you know, maybe to a greater degree than the shift rule, of handicapping the defense. Like, you put you put the offense, offense in a position to where they can strategize, like Zach said, and like you said, all right, this cat done, you know, tried to pick me twice, and now it just ups your chances of getting free bases. You know, it's, it's just another handicap on the defense. And I think they do it as not like a hardcore baseball fan or even really a baseball fan. I'm just getting into it to, like, speed the game up. Like you said, cats, you know, they pick off three, four times in a row, and they try to do shit to make the game, like, faster and more exciting with the hitting and stuff like that but when you start changing stuff that's integral to the game you lose like the true fans like you guys who you know you look at it a certain way like the the popularity gain you would get from changing the rules isn't going to equal out to what you'll lose from changing the rules in my opinion i agree but like there's like the the guy picking off you know three four times like that's not it's not just to be annoying you know what i'm saying like you got, some, you got somebody like Trout on first that steals a lot of bases. You got somebody like Billy Hamilton who can absolutely fucking fly. There's strategy that goes into that, that third pickoff. You know what I mean? That fourth pickoff. I mean, you, you know just as well as I do, Chance, when you're on base, like if you're, if you're trying to steal, like if you know you're going to steal and they keep picking off, like your legs start to get heavy. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like you start getting heavy legs, 
your jump's not as good. It gives your catcher more time to throw him out. You know what I'm saying? Like, I never want to give somebody like Trout an advantage on stealing a base because then he's gonna he's gonna he's gonna go sixty for sixty. You know what I'm saying? Oh, I feel that. But I mean, at the same time, the rule makers and the people that have the authority are are clearly just kind of making this shit about themselves and yeah. just and, and and about and about just time limits, you know, and experiments, man. And and it's really, I think it's because what I was telling you the other day, Red, it's ruining the integrity of the game by doing a lot of the shit that they're doing right now. And I and I, sure. I don't like that because that's America's pastime you're fucking with, dog. It's like warm apple pie. And the, the last one that I want to get into, which I think is the most ridiculous one of them all, <laughs> and that is it's they're doing it in the MLB. Going into extra innings, they start with a runner on second. Yeah. Bro, that's Little League shit. Bush League. These are these are professional baseball players. The best baseball players in the world. Wait. Why why so you start with the runner on second, okay, I'm bunning him over first batter. Now I got him on third with one out, and I now I I'm very easily I'm very easily scoring. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like, let these dudes play fucking baseball. <laughs> like that's I'm all. having a hard time. I'm having a hard time just really understanding the reason behind that one as well, along with all the other ones. But like, what? Why the hell would you want to do that? Whenever you got, once again, we'll go back to you have professional baseball players out here. People do like to see that a, a game goes 19 fucking innings. Yeah. Regardless of how long the son of a bitch lasts, this game went 19 innings. That's legendary to people. Right. <laughs> They're like trying to take that away from us, man. I, I think I find that to be wrong. One, as a fan, and two, I just, I just, I just think that the the rules that they're putting in place is is for their own benefit. Yeah, absolutely. So before we get too heated, we'll jump off of that topic. Yeah, we better. Shout out to Katie Eldridge for for the topic. That was a good one for yeah. us to go into. Good uh, stuff right there, Katie. Let's hop into our our second our second topic from our listener. It came from uh, we'll shout out Robert Hunter. Um, he wants to know if. And there's going to be a ton of people that are going to be like, well, yeah, you guys are just biased. Biased bad. But he wants to know if, if we think OU is real contenders this year. So I got a lot of <laughs> thoughts on this as well. Uh, Chance, you're wearing an OU headband right now. I'm wearing an OU jersey right now. <laughs> so, uh, David, why don't you start us off on this one? All right. So is OU a real contender? I think absolutely. Um, and, that's, and that's bias aside. I think, and this might be hard to hear, I think OU not making the playoffs last year was really good for them. I think going to the playoffs every year and getting fucking clapped up, you know, that's not a reputation that you want. So this year, or excuse me, last season, they get left out of playoffs, right? And they beat the fuck out of a team in their bowl game, right? I think that's – Yeah, I think that's really good for them, you know, and moving forward, their defense didn't get any worse. Who's that cat, that safety they picked up? Um, The kid from Tennessee? Yeah, yeah, the kid from Tennessee, like – What's his key. name? Yeah, it's Key something. Yeah. Which I've – everything I've read on this dude is he is a, a lockdown safety. Like, might be one of the best safeties to come through OU. Right. Key Lawrence? Key Lawrence, that's his name. So, this cat – their defense didn't get any worse. And as Alex, Alex Grinch has more time there, they're going to keep getting better and better. And they're already sound on offense. They had some cats transfer, but they also got a lot of good players in. Um. So I definitely think this year they have a realistic shot. Like I said, coming off of a good bowl win against Florida, um, defense get you know steadily improving. Offense is always legit. I think they have a real shot at at, at least competing for a chip this year. Yeah, absolutely. My my big one is, I mean, as a as a diehard OU fan, like I think they're real contenders every year. <laughs> but uh, you know, like you always have like, well, Alabama is really fucking good. Clemson's really good. And don't get me wrong, Alabama and Clemson are going to be really good again next year. But as we see with so many teams, OU's seen it this year. They're starting – OU was starting with a quarterback that had no experience with Spencer Rattler last year. They dropped two early games. There's always growing pains when it's starting over at quarterback. Right. OU, of those top three to four teams of Alabama, they're going to be starting a new guy under center. 
Clemson's going to be starting a new guy under center. Ohio State's going to be starting a new guy under center. OU's bringing back Spencer Rattler with a whole year's experience. That's a good point. And from, from first-half Spencer to second-half Spencer was two different quarterbacks. Yeah. Absolutely. That's a good point. I didn't think about that. Like, Clemson, you know, minus T-Law and Ohio State minus Justin Fields, they're about to have to experience what OU did, you know, losing K-1 straight into Jalen, straight into Spencer being brand new. Right. Like, they're about to be – yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, so, so, on top of that, which is which is pretty dope, because I think with Spencer Rattler being settled in and having a full season under his belt, this next season he's only going to turn it on even more. One. Right. Two – Kennedy Brooks, J- Jalen Redman, Stacy Wilkins, back from opt out. Yeah, I mean the, that's filth. The Kennedy one is huge. Huge boy. And then they got Eric Gray transfer from from Tennessee as well. That's a that's a two headed monster in itself. Yep. Yeah. And then the Redman one. Wait, David said you know their defense didn't get any worse. Nope. <laughs> Redman led the team in sacks two years ago, and then he opted out this year. Wait. Redmond is – it hurts when you lose Perkins. That, oh, that yeah. hurt our defense bad. But bringing somebody like Redmond back makes it hurt a little less. Right. Because yeah. you're bringing back – you're bringing back already experienced production on the defensive line. Another guy like – Somebody that can get after a quarterback. No doubt. So, you, you're not only – you're losing – Perkins is a big loss, obviously. Right. But getting Redmond back, you're, you're, not only, you're not only gaining back the fire, but the, you know, the, the, the fan factor as well. Yeah. The dude that's going to just light it up and then turn it up right after, you know, get the crowd pumped, just blowing it up. That's, that's big time for OU. Really any college program, obviously, Ben. But, oh, you know, yeah. we you know, love that shit as well. Yeah. The, the, that's, a big, that's a big one in college football, yeah. like – when when you said that, the first thing that popped in my head was Bedlam this year. Yep. Yeah. When Perkins goes back there and and grabs a hold of Spencer Sanders and slings his ass three yards across the ground, and then Spencer Sanders gets up and looks at him, and Perkins went up and headbutted his ass. Massive too, <laughs> bro. OSU was done. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah, they were. Perkins was all over the field. He's he a just grown man out he there, just boy. slung your ass three yards. Then you get up and look at him and he headbutts you. Yeah. What are you doing? Yeah, you ain't I, doing anything. I think your point, Chance, can't be understated. How how important energy and momentum is, particularly in college football, as opposed to any other level. Like that energy is super important when you have a guy make a big play and just hype the crowd up like that. That rolls really well in games. Oh yeah, you'll never you'll never uh, you'll never be able to feel it unless you're there, dude. Mm-hmm. And and there. while we're talking about while we're talking about the transfers, let's get into the the addition by subtraction of, of bookie transferring out of OU. The worst five-star in history. Thanks. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, you, like, our defense got better by bookie leaving. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> he made I, be, I feel like I won't be screaming at my TV as much with bookie gone being yeah. fucking five foot six out there trying to guard a six foot four wide receiver. I just don't understand it. You know what I mean? Yeah, and – and my thing, like with Bookie, like he would he would make some plays. There are some plays that he wouldn't make, in which we'd all get pissed off at him. But it was just the dumb shit that he did <laughs> that would piss me off more. I, I go back to the LSU game in the playoff two years ago when Joe Burrow was rolling out, and granted OU was down like twenty one at the time, but it was like a it was like a third and twelve or something, and you're down twenty one and LSU shoving it up your ass. But Bookie's got Joe Burrow out in the open field by himself. Okay, go go make a tackle. Let him punt. If Jalen goes score, you cut it to 14, and we might be able to make a game out of it. Bookie runs the opposite way of which Joe Burrow is running and blindsides and decleats their – and it was Clyde. It was Edwards Hilaire, I believe. Yeah. Decleats him for a personal foul. Like, why? A first down. <laughs> LSU goes score. Now you're down 28. Now you're really done. Yeah, that was – and I'm not saying if Bookie makes that tackle, OU comes back and beats him because they probably don't. But it's just bonehead shit like that. That that's what I that's what I hated about Bookie the most. It's like no game sense. Yeah, for a five star recruit, you expect that cat to make an impact every single week. Like I know that's a lot of pressure when you get graded, and it's like okay, this cat's a you know one two three four five. Star. But but coming out as a five star prospect, he's expected to make an impact every game. 
not us sit there as fans and be like, well, what's he going to fuck up this time? You know yeah. what I mean? What, what coverage is going to get blown? What fucking penalty is he going to get? Like that's him being a five-star definitely makes the criticism worse, but that's just the reality of it. Though. Right. And the Bedlam game. I think OSU scored one touchdown in Bedlam, <laughs> I think. It might have been two, but it was a third and eight or whatever it was. And Bookie made a great play and broke up a pass for OSU to go a three and out. And he gets up and sticks his fucking finger in the OSU's wide receiver's face. And they flag him 15 yards, first down, OSU goes score. Yeah. Like, dude. <laughs> wait, get over to the sideline and do your shit. This is how like, you, you lose just, games. You just made a great play yeah. to force a three and out. But you, but you get up and you just have to put your finger in his face. Yeah. And but I'm not going to lie. I'm glad he's fucking gone. And I'm also kind of glad Trey Brown's gone on top of that. If we want to be on subject, if we're glad. <laughs> I, I agree. Your defense got better by losing Bookie and Trey Brown. <laughs> without, without question. <laughs> we, but we all know that we all know that Grinch didn't, didn't bring those guys in. He just made them better though. I'll tell you that. And, and that's what I was going to go to next. David brought him up and you just brought him up again. Like, I fucking love Alex Grinch. Like, he's got OU's defense back where OU defense needs to be. But on the same token, I'm like, Grinch, chill the fuck out because there's going to be people calling your phone for a head coaching job. I don't want OU's defense to go back to Mike Stoops' defense. I don't think he'll leave. I think he's fresh into a rebuilding. Now, OU goes and wins a natty. You know, we might have to revisit the conversation. But I think coming in to rebuild – because let's be real, OU had one of the worst defenses when he got here. Like, bottom what? 30 defenses in fucking football is terrible. I put it in the bottom 10. Of all, yeah. I mean, absolute fucking ass. And he comes in, and it's like, you know, I don't think he wants to give up on the rebuild, you know, especially not yet. Again, shout out to Robert Hunter for, for that topic. That was another good one. Thanks, honey. I mean, we could – Robert, we could go on this topic until like eight o'clock tonight, but this <laughs> podcast would be three hours long. Yeah. Uh, to answer this question directly, <laughs> OU is definitely a contender this year. Yes. 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 I'll, yes. I'll yes. I'm the contender, Natty. <laughs> and um, I'll stick on. I, I want to touch on this just very slightly because I'm pissed off about it, and it'll stick on the OU topic. You guys know we're diehard OU, but I'm gonna shit on OU just a little bit for a second because I was taking my son to his first baseball game today, 11 months old. My wife and I buy tickets going to watch OU baseball. Excited for it. I was going to take him. I was going to take him to his first game and show him where he's going to be playing at in 18 years. I had to, (laughs) I had to tell him, you know, I had to show him that. And they would not let us in because we had a diaper bag. So I understand the I understand the clear bag policy for safety and all that, but there's got to be a little bit of exception when you have a baby and a diaper bag because they said, oh, hey, we have a clear bag for you if you want to put his stuff in. I was like, okay, yeah, great. They handed me a Ziploc bag. <laughs> handed me a Ziploc bag, and I said, I said, there ain't no way I'm fitting all of his stuff in the Ziploc bag. They said, well, we can give you more than one bag. Said, yeah, well, ma'am, you know, I'm not, I don't want to carry around 15 fucking Ziploc bags in this stadium today either. So, I'll, I'll shit on, I'll shit on OU baseball in that sense just for a second. Figure something out for diaper bags and getting into a game for an 11 month old. All I had to do was search it. Yeah, like I'll take everything out of that diaper bag, and you can put it through an X-ray scanner, through a metal detector, whatever you need to do. But having a baby, I have to have this stuff. That's all, that's all I'll say about that one because I don't want to shit on OU too much. <laughs> um, let's hop in. We had one more, we had one more uh, uh, listener topic, and, and this, one, this one just kind of, kind of developed on its own today. Um, shout out to my buddy Denver Johnson. Uh, I used to play baseball with Denver back in the day, and uh, he was talking pretty asinine on Facebook today on this subject. Uh, everybody's familiar with the, the start bench cut that, that goes around. You know, it's, they give you three people and they say start bench cut. Well, this one had Tony Gonzalez, Shannon Sharp, and Rob Gernkowski. Denver says he is starting Sharp, benching Gronk, and cutting Tony G. Oh, wow. And to me, this is just asinine. And I told him I wasn't going to get into it too big on, on Facebook. 
that I'm getting to it to the pod tonight. Denver listens every week. We do appreciate you, Denver. Keep listening to us. But, brother, I'm going to tell you on this one, you're wrong. So, uh, David Chance, I want y'all's thoughts on it. Chance, being a diehard Broncos fan, he's probably going to say something I disagree with. But uh, what are y'all's thoughts on that one? We lost your audio, Bubba. You get us going, to David. Okay. Um, so, for me, uh, I think it's actually way easier than it should be. But you, you have to start Tony G. I mean, he's the GOAT of tight ends. It's, it's, it's really not even close. Um, that, like, that doesn't even take any explaining. You start Tony G. Secondly, I would say uh, you bench Shannon Sharp. You know, obviously all three of these cats are Hall of Fame tight ends, but it's a recurring thing for me. The best ability is availability, and Gronk has injury issues. Um, and so I'm benching Sharp and cutting Gronk. With those three, I start Tony G, I bench Sharp, and I cut Gronk. Uh, I think Gronk is super physically dominant, but I don't think he's as good of like a route runner or just, you know, player of football as Tony G and Shannon Sharp. I just don't. So, so with me being a Broncos fan, I got to go with, uh, with uh, starting. I'm going to have to start Sharp, man. Shannon Sharp's been, been the GOAT since, you know, the GOAT status was born, man. Except he's not. But, <laughs> but, that, that's, but like I said earlier, that, that's if I'm going with my heart, okay? I'm going with my mind because I'm not a dumbass. Tony Gonzalez, he's going to start. I'm going to bench Shannon Sharp, and I'm going to cut Gronk. But that's that's also if I'm just going with my heart. But if I'm going with my head, once again, <laughs> I'm not a dumbass. I'm going to start Gonzalez. I'm going to bench Gronk, and I'm going to cut Shannon Sharp because Gronk parties his ass off. <laughs> Gronk would be a fun one to party with. <laughs> Straight and, up, man. And obviously, like – like, I commented on, on Denver's post. I said, I know you're not sitting here saying Sandin Sharp and Rob Gronkowski are better than Tony Gonzalez. And he told me he almost debated but remembered that I was a diehard Chiefs fan. And I said, Chiefs fan or not, it's pretty asinine to, to not say Tony G's the GOAT because, I mean, honestly, tight end-wise, he is. And, and I'll tell you this, too. Give him another – Give him another, I don't know, seven, eight years, and the top two tight ends to ever play the game are both going to be Chiefs because Kelsey might go down as the GOAT. David and I were talking about this a little bit before we started the pod, and we we're waiting for you, Chance. Uh, Travis Kelsey obviously is unbelievable tight end. He's elite. Yeah. He's an unbelievable tight end, and, and the numbers he's putting up, like he's on his way to GOAT status. And what I was telling David, I said, you got to think about it too for the next – Eight years, he's going to play with Patrick Mahomes. Yeah. Like, <laughs> that don't hurt. You know what I'm saying? Like, and Pat's a quarterback that obviously makes his receivers better. Nothing that – not taking away anything from Tyreek, you know, or, or Kelsey or, you know, whoever it is. Nicole uh, Hardman, they're all great receivers during the NFL. But uh, it obviously helps having somebody like Pat Mahomes throwing you the ball. You know what I mean? No doubter. That's a no doubter right there, especially with the numbers the guy puts up. And then, and a lot of those numbers go to Travis Kelsey. Like he, he's yeah. absolutely elite. Just like David said, I think I, per, I really do think that as long as the guy stays healthy, keeps shoving, and Patrick Mahomes stay healthy, he'll go down as as the greatest of all time. I'm just right. gonna, yeah, for sure. And I just, you know, it's obviously this is, this isn't, this isn't saying anything nobody don't know already. But you, you obviously have to have a quarterback, like. I take wait. We well, said that last week. Wait, you're not winning without a number one. Right, wait. Look at Amari Cooper. Amari Cooper's ass because he's got Dak thrown in. Oh, here we go. <laughs> Amari Cooper is the best he's ever. He was his career was rejuvenated in Dallas. Well, who was his quarterback before? Carr. Ass. Yeah. So Dak ass. Put Amari Cooper in an arrowhead. Amari Cooper being MVP. That is not. <laughs> you can't act like he's Darnold or something like that. I shit, Darnold might be better. Okay, so now hey, just blowing smoke yeah, now. It's crazy. We were talking about Sam Darnold last week. Yeah, to, uh, and how Sam, I, is he the answer in New York? <laughs> dude, dude, Denver was looking at him hardcore not too long ago as a well, as a as a trade option. Well, you said it. You said it last week. You'd take him over Drew Locke. 
Hey, I would, man. But Darnold, Darnold going to go join the Panthers, going to try to fill the shoes of Cameron Newton. No chance. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> I see they're eerily similar. Build. Athleticism. Athleticism. Arm strength. Skin <laughs> color. Running ability, strength. Yeah, both black. Like, yeah, same skin color. Like, they're basically getting Cam Newton 2.0. Yeah, no bullshit. Darnold is ass. <laughs> and nothing like Cam Newton. Motherfucker out there playing uh, playing Pac-Man, seeing ghosts and shit, man. Yeah. Uh, again, well, I want to reiterate on our shout-outs this week uh, to Katie Eldridge, Robert Hunter, and, and Denver for giving us some talking points. Uh, we tell you guys, you know, comment on our stuff. We'll give you a shout-out. We'll talk about whatever you guys want to hear about. This will roll us into our, our last topic of the day, which is going on right now. We can talk a little bit, bit on the Masters, but – um, we'll stay on golf, and I want to get into the new the, – the releases of the, the crash details of Tiger Woods because I smell something a little fishy here, and I want to get y'all's thoughts on it. Um, but Masters, biggest, biggest tournament of the year. If you're a golf fan, you love watching the Masters. Um, Rose, Rose has led for two days, and Matsuyama has gotten hot here on day three and has taken the lead. I think he's got a three-stroke lead. Uh, Jordan Spieth hanging in there a little bit, fuck him, because he played college golf at Texas. So I wouldn't, <laughs> I wouldn't mind if he went plus 80. Uh, but Matsuyama's getting hot. He's leading it. Looks like he's – oh, Rose still has five holes left, and he's three strokes back to go into tomorrow. All I want, you know, with the Masters, four-day tournament, I love watching, you know, Thursday, Friday, Saturday. But to me, as a golf fan and loving and love golf, like, you can't beat a Masters Sunday – especially when that, that top of that leaderboard is jam-packed. You know, people are separated by, you know, one, two, three, four, five strokes, and anything can happen on a, on a Masters Sunday. So I'm, I'm pumped for tomorrow. Uh, the big topic coming out of the Masters this week was the world number one and defending Masters champ, Dustin Johnson, misses the cut. But that's, that should just prove right there on, you know, just how tough golf is and how tough this course is. At the Masters, I mean, you got the world number one and the defending champ, and he missed the cut. Yeah. I mean, it's real tight down there in Augusta. Um, you know, nothing but, what, four strokes separates the field from the number one pretty much. Like the top five cats are no yeah. more than four strokes back. Um, and like you said, it's, it's really difficult to be consistently on top in golf. Like, it's really competitive. We've sat here and watched Matsuyama today go from, what, down a stroke or two to up three strokes just yeah. today. So it's it's real tough to be consistent, and anybody can have a good day at this level, really. I I will tell you guys, I was I was talking to Caleb this week because you know Caleb's a big golf fan, and I asked him who he thought was going to win it, and he said he was leaning DJ, and I gave him my dark horse pick, and I picked Tony Finau, and I ain't even seen Tony Finau <laughs> anywhere near the top, so I was dead wrong he's, on that one. He's tied eight right now. Oh, is he? Yeah. Okay, well, yesterday when I looked, I didn't see him near the top, so he made he must have made a little push today. Yeah, he's minus like, four. I didn't get to I didn't get to watch a lot of it. I have it on now, but I didn't get to watch a lot of it because I was driving the Norman to get out of the car and walk up to the gates and turn around and get back in my car and drive back. Roll. <laughs> <laughs> oh. So, uh, oh yeah, there's Tony Fina right there, minus four. So, uh, what quick math is that? Quick math. Uh, Seven. Seven. There we go. <laughs> Seven strokes back. Hey, <laughs> I, I never, never claimed to be strong in math. Uh, so, if anything changes before before we're done, I don't see Matsuyama losing this lead anytime soon. He's got a three-stroke lead. But uh, let's hop into into Tiger. Uh, golf fan or not, like if you if you don't watch golf, you don't play golf, you don't like golf, you still know who Tiger Woods is. Everybody loves Tiger, right? So. We all know the problems that Tiger had a couple years ago, you know, where he had hundreds of women. <laughs> just to, <laughs> to put it lightly. Yeah, just, just to start his problems. And then, really um, and then I don't want to make anything light of, you know, the addiction problem that he had because, uh, you know, I've been affected by an addiction problem uh, in my family. So I don't want to make anything light of that. But, you know, he seemed to turn it around, made his comeback, won another Masters. You know, it was one of the greatest comeback stories of all time, and we talked about it, I think, in Kel's episode, Chance, is when, is when that happened. And, you know, we were saying, you know, if he can come back from this one, like, holy shit. So, 
his car had a black box in it, like an airplane, right? Where it can, it can tell the readings of, you know, how fast, you know, whatever it may be. And he hit this guardrail at 84 miles an hour. 84 and a 50, 45 at that. 84 <laughs> and a 45. Call an ass. And the black box had it at, at, at contact. His accelerator was at 99%. So he had this motherfucker floored. He's hammering it. And then he hits the guardrail. And then once he hit the tree, he hit the tree at 75 miles an hour. First off, it's he's got to be thankful that he's alive. Yeah, that ain't yeah. shit. I mean, you hit a tree at 30 miles an hour, it'll kill you. Yeah. And let alone hitting it at 75 miles an hour. I wouldn't want to run into a fucking tree. Right. Mm-hmm. And, you know, LAPD said that, you know, there were no signs of impairment. Which when I heard that, when I heard that, I was like, I was like, thank God. Because my first thought, you know, I was like, I was like, man, Tiger, please, you know, don't be on something. Don't be drunk. Something like that. But they just said there was no signs of impairment. They didn't do blood. They didn't take blood, urine. They, they took nothing. Which is suspicious as fuck. I'm like, fellas, it, just, it is. Fellas, correct me if I'm wrong, okay? If I wreck at 84 miles an hour in a 45, before they even think about testing my blood level, anything like that, I'm getting arrested for reckless driving for doing 84 and a 45. Like, why were you doing that? You know what I'm saying? Yeah. It also goes off of kind of what condition you're in because if you're just, you know, if you're incoherent because you, like, got knocked very silly, you know, you're not going to be able to be able to take the test to be able to consent to anything regardless. But if you're all there and completely speaking well, then, yeah. I mean, you, you can definitely but, take any test that they want. But let me let me ask you this though, if if I if I open this fridge right here and I hammer fucking fifteen beers and I hop in my truck and go start driving around and I get pulled over, and they're like they're suspicious of me drinking and driving and they're like you need to take a breathalyzer, and I refuse it and I say no, well they're gonna take my ass back to the precinct and they're gonna draw blood. But he's saying if you get into an accident because your head could be fucked up, like they may they're not gonna automatically say. Oh, you're under the influence because you could be loopy from from like right. brain injury. Right. Is that what you're saying? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. No, I, but, I, but I 100% it, it, get that. You don't have to get blood taken and you don't have to take a breathalyzer. It could all just be the cop's word. Right. To me, but, like, I, I pray that nothing was wrong with him, but like I said, something just seems fishy about it to me. I, yeah, I agree. But, and here's, here's another thing that was in the news is, after uh, it wasn't in the news actually i don't know why but i mean it's it's in a lot of articles but it's uh there there was a backpack at the at the scene of the crash that had an empty bottle a uh, pharmaceutical bottle looked like a prescription drug you know bottle yeah. with no label on it so they don't know what the hell could have been in it you I, know along I with his i didn't hear that that pressure. makes it even more fishy yeah yeah and especially it makes it even more fishy that that nothing was no sample was taken from him yeah yeah I think they don't want to ruin the the comeback story because it was so mad. Like, because Tiger is arguably one of the most dominant sports figures in history. If not like, the, if not, yeah. I mean, him. So like, you could go on. You can name a lot of different people in their respective sports, just longevity and dominance. But you know, for him to go through what he did and make a comeback like he did, you know, mm, I don't think they want to like mess that. And and he very well could have not been under the influence. I don't know why he's you know flooring it at 84 and a 45 yeah it's not like i don't speed though so i mean it's hard for me to just be like oh he was fucked up you know what i'm saying right but i don't know if i've ever put my pedal to the floor either oh i, I do all, <laughs> i do all the time <laughs> i know chance has because chance drives fast anyways but yeah it's only on accident man my 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 feet are heavy <laughs> I, I won't throw out any numbers but uh there was a time that chance got me from his house in sepulpa to my house in Edmond in about 45 minutes. <laughs> it, was, it was really fun. It was a good drive. We were we were doing a Fast and the Furious movie. <laughs> <laughs> I'm over there. I'm white-knuckled onto the oh shit handle. <laughs> I'm like, Chance, you got us, bro? Like, yeah, but did you die? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I got it. I I, we pulled into my driveway, and I got out. I have wobbly legs. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Anybody, y'all got anything else you want to hit on on this week? Man, I'm I'm good. We hit we hit on everything. I really wanted to hit on Sh- uh, Shohei, man, because he's he's a stud. And then, you know, all all our topics from our from our listeners, dude. 
Great, great stuff. I, I want to hear. I want to get. I want to get a lot more of that going if we can. You know, yeah, for sure. Definitely put it, it out there. Yeah, it makes it more interactive. Like it gives us topics. You know what I mean? Like, and they because, had great topics this week. Yeah, they were great topics. We we appreciate you guys commenting on it and and giving us those topics because uh, right now, I mean, topics are hard to find when you're talking about sports. Now, when we get into football season, oh man, shit, we might we might go for three hours. Yeah, we'll have to cut our podcast down when <laughs> it's in football season. You know what I mean? So. Uh, uh, again, shout out to Katie, Robert, and Denver. Uh, great topics. Um, we're super excited for David to be joining us from here on out on Balls Deep. Uh, that'll wrap us up for episode eight. I'm your co-host, Zach Wonderwick, as always, joined by co-host Chance Rich. And going forward, as always, joined by co-host David Burgess. Uh, come back, listen to us, keep commenting, keep talking about it. Uh, we'll try to get a we'll try to get a guest on uh, next week. I I tried to get one today. I'll leave it to as a surprise to to the listeners out there. I told David Chance I'll tell you when we're done. This dude is wild. He's crazy. He's funny. He'll have he'll have some good sports takes. But maybe we can get him on next week. Uh, but until then, this has been balls deep. Y'all take it easy. <laughs>